the Gym Class Zeros podcast, where the zeros are the heroes. I'm fired up. I am fired up. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Gym Class Zeros podcast. Thanks for joining us for another week. My name is George. Hey guys, Seti here. How y'all doing? Bienvenidos to another episode of the Gym Class Zeros podcast. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Coach, back for another one. And I'm Kyle. There you go. Kyle's back. And Kyle, we're going to stay right with you. Um, Blends Brew of the Week is going to kick us off once again. What do we got brewing this week? For sure, George. So this week, I bring bring you guys the Blood Orange Sour from Whitewater Brewing Company. Uh, it's a really nice drink here. So we got... Uh, a lot of tartness right off the start. Um, it's not overly sour, but it is uh, slightly sweet from the blood oranges. And uh, yeah, just a really nice, clean drinking sour. What do you guys think? Yeah, shout out to Whitewater. They're killing it with this beer. Uh, like you mentioned, it's a little tart, but you know, uh, I've had a lot of sours that just are really way too sour. And this is definitely not uh, one of those. Uh, great taste in beer. And yeah, definitely that blood orange uh, definitely coming up in the forefront. It's definitely a cross between like a Rattler and a Sour for sure. It's uh, on the lighter end, 4.8%, but uh, uh, just, yeah, a really nice uh, in-between. No, I got to admit, like this is, this is one of my favorite when it comes to craft beers, and so I'm super pumped that you brought it in here. I think, what is it, episode six? It's about damn time, Mr. Bland. I'm glad you like it. And uh, one more thing is the next Blood Moon that you can see will happen at the lunar eclipse on May 26, 2021. Beauty. Physics. <laughs> Put that in your calendar, May 26, 2021. Awesome. Thanks again for another episode or another segment, excuse me, of Blinds of the Week. Mr. Kyle, thanks for coming. Thanks, George. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Let's jump into some football. Uh, the biggest news of the NFL offseason so far, arguably... Mr. Dak Prescott has signed a four-year, $160 million contract to stay in Dallas. Just huge, a huge deal. And the biggest part of that is the $126 million that's guaranteed with it. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm Jerry Jones right now, I'm pretty pumped to, to get my guy for another four years and lock him up. I think we saw what, what happened last year with him going down and getting hurt. And we saw what happened to that Dallas Cowboys team down, down the stretch. And so having that guy locked up, he's obviously a huge part of that team. You must be feeling good if you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, you know what? I don't really know how I feel about this deal, to be honest. Uh, is Dak Prescott worth that money? Uh, has he proven himself to be worth that much? I don't know. It seems like he's battled a lot of injuries over his short career so far. And uh, to commit that, mu- that, amount, that amount of money this early on in his career, uh, they haven't really proven themselves in the postseason yet. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this deal overall. Uh, what, what do you think, Coach? What a waste of money. Honestly, you're giving this guy $160 million, guaranteeing him $126 million. So he's only got to work for really $34 million. I mean, I was doing the math. For every second he plays, in his first year of his deal, he's making $694. So count to 10, guys, that's $6,940 that he made to do nothing, to play for an overrated team. They were offering him deals last year. He said, no, I want to hold out. I think I'm worth more. You say that, and then and then your team is average at best. You don't win 
in the worst division in the entire NFL, that, that, that NFC East is garbage. You're not worth $40 million. I think the Dallas Cowboys have made a huge mistake giving this guy all this cash, and, and I think it'll go all by the wayside. I think in the four years he's there, they don't win the division again, and they don't sniff a Super Bowl, not even close. So stupid. I got to disagree. I, I think you look at what the pr- the going prices right now for top caliber quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's priced right into the middle of that higher tiered of it. But he's young. He's shown that he can play in the league. Put a couple, put a few tools around him, and I think this guy could be dangerous in the long run. But that brings me, I guess, to the next question. We're talking about kind of that pricing in the quarterback market, and we know that it's inflated, and we know it's high. Uh, but where, if I was to give you the option of four different QBs, and that's Patrick Mahomes at forty-five million dollars a year, Dak Prescott at forty million a year, Deshaun Watson, who we don't know where he's going to end up, obviously going to be moving out of Houston, thirty-nine million dollars a year, and another guy who we don't know where he's going to play next season, and Russell Wilson, who. It's leaked now that he's looking to get out of Seattle. He's making $35 million a year. If you've got your pick of those four guys today, March 2021, who do you like and who do you want quarterbacking your team on week, in week one? Uh, I mean, you're, you're listening to all those, those names you listed off here. Uh, I don't think you can really go wrong with any of those. Uh, but, I mean, Patrick Mahomes... I think he's proven to be uh, the league's best quarterback over the last couple of years. Uh, and if I'm starting a franchise, there's no no doubt in my mind that that's who I'm going for. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously a, a ton of very uh, great quarterbacks in the league right now. So there's many names that you could probably pick off from the uh, from the from from this list of quarterbacks. But you, I think without a doubt in my mind, Patrick Mahomes has got to be the one. Coach, you're a coach. If you're coaching an NFL team, who are you going with week one? Listen, the obvious choice is to go with Patrick Mahomes. Said he's already brought that up. As you guys know, I'm not a fan of Dak Prescott. Russell Wilson's on his way out. So by process of elimination, that leaves one guy, and that one guy is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has been in Houston for the past few years, and you know, and if we're being honest, those teams have not been very good. I think if you give him the opportunity to go play elsewhere, you give him a team with a couple of good wide receivers, a good running back, a good O-line. I think he could be up there with the Mahomes of the league. I just think he hasn't been given that opportunity yet to play on an on an average team, on a decent team. So it it's not a matter of if he's going to move. It's a matter of where he's going to move. Uh, I'm just hoping he ends up on a team with some good receivers just somebody he could throw the ball to because you know he 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 had a lot of the load uh in uh, on the offensive side of the ball with Houston it just it felt like you know it was always him 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 so i think if he uh if he finds a new home that deal the 39 million dollars a year won't look so bad but we'll see how the uh how the um off season unfolds we're only what a month in at this point so We'll see. We still got a lot of time. We do, and I personally like the guy who's the cheapest on that list, and and it has nothing to do with price. He's ten million dollars a year cheaper than Patrick Mahomes, 
But money's not the issue here in our hypothetical. But for me, when you look at Russell Wilson, if I can save $10 million and end up with a Russell Wilson, I'm more than happy. And that's who I want as my number one pick. Because you see him in the pocket. He can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his legs, just like McCombs, Mahomes has. But he hasn't had the same kind of threats offensively in the last year or two that Mahomes has. And you put Russell Wilson behind a very good or even just an average offensive line and give him some time in the pocket. This guy just finds people downfield. And he's for, for a shorter guy, he can just hawk it down the field. And if I'm if I'm starting fresh, I got a guy in Russell Wilson who's got some experience. He's won a Super Bowl. He's He's been to two Super Bowls. He's a veteran in the league that can that can really lead an offense. And if you're giving the if I have to give the ball to a guy with two minutes left and I'm down by six, Russell Wilson's my guy, no doubt about it. And quickly before we move on here, I just want to give a shout out to uh, another great quarterback that we haven't really listed that doesn't really get mentioned that often. And it's Josh Allen. Uh, shout out to Bill Mafia. He's a great quarterback, and they've got a keeper there. And uh, I really love. I would. I think he would be my second pick after Mahomes. Honestly, I think he'd be a, a second pick on most people's list. To be honest, uh, I think to me, top three in the NFL right now, as far as the quarterback position, I've got Wilson, Mahomes, and, and Josh Allen right there. Uh, I'm just excited to see what kind of deal Josh Allen can pull out of the Bakulas in, in Buffalo there, because he's going to get himself paid, and he's probably just counting the days until he gets there. A great point, Coach Arsetti. So let's jump to some NBA. Uh, not a lot to talk about over the last week. Uh, we spoke a bit about the All-Star Game and the All-Star Festivity that they had uh, on our last episode, and how probably not necessary, but it happened, and we saw uh, Steph Curry winning the three-point sh- uh, three-point contest and during All-Star Weekend. And so my question to you guys is, is Steph Curry now in your eyes considered the number one three-point shooter in, in NBA history ever of all time? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to argue otherwise. If you look at his numbers, he's been the most efficient uh, in his time in the NBA. He's been in the NBA since 2009. And uh, his three-point field goal percentage is at forty-three percent. That's that's almost half. So if if you're going up to the line and 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 you're pretty much saying, I'm going to hit one out of every two three-point shots. I mean that's that's ridiculous. Like I think the next best guy is Kyle Korver, and he's been in the he's he was in the NBA from two thousand three to two thousand nineteen. Just a straight shooter, but I mean, Stephen Curry has proven time and time again that if you need a guy to take a three-point shot, you give the ball to Steph. He's your guy in the dying, you know, dying moments. Teams down by two, down by one. You give it to Steph. Uh, you know, I'll I'll put all my money on any time. So without a doubt, I mean, and and I don't know if that's a record that will ever be beat. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I I definitely do believe that he is without a doubt, the best three-point sh- shooter of all time. But I still want to give a shout-out to Ray Allen and to um, oh, what's his name? And to Reggie Miller, who were both tr- tremendous three-point shooters. So got to acknowledge them. Uh, but yeah, Steph, Steph's the best when it comes to three points, three-point shots. All right, Sadie, let me hear what you got to say, bro. You know, I was about to call you out on 
on uh not giving props to the to the older players uh i was i was gonna go with with ray allen i think career wise i mean he has he has had uh, up to this point the longer career compared to what steph's played uh in his career right now but he's the all-time leader in three points made uh to this to this date i wouldn't doubt it that curry will end up uh reaching that goal and uh that point and surpassing him but actually another interesting fact you mentioned uh shooting percentage from three-pointer he's actually not even the highest percentage curry in nba all-time three-pointing shooting so his brother seth is actually number two all-time in three-point percentage only behind who other than steph curry's coach steve kerr so there's a lot going on here with, with the Curry family and ties to the Curry family, but uh, I'm I think overall, up to this point, I got to give props to to Ray Allen. I think he's uh, to this day the the greatest three point shooter of all time. And I'm sticking with Coach. I I think Steph Curry is the goat when it comes to three point shooting in the NBA. What a what a great skill to have. Uh, I think some guys are great just driving the paint, laying it up passing the ball around and this guy just goes from as far as he can launches a ball up in the air and nails it 43 percent of the time so i mean that's super impressive and to me steph curry he's done it in the regular season he's done it in the playoffs the guy just shows up he's always dangerous i remember the playoff series the final series against the, the raptors in the year they won it anytime steph curry had the ball doesn't matter if he was covered or where he was on the court i was i was scared he's gonna nail one and so that's the kind of that's the kind of threat he is when he's got the ball in his hands. And it's impressive because he doesn't have to be close to make that, that point count. And to me, that's, the, that's why Steph Curry is, uh, is number one in history for me. And I think when it comes to total, I think eventually he will surpass Ray Allen. Uh, it's only a matter of time. Uh, but of course, I love that we're giving some, some props and some respect to the old guys because that's 100% deserved and needed. So let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, we got some, some big news from the NHL world this week. Uh, first off, we'll start with Tom Wilson. Uh, as some of you may have heard, he was suspended for seven games for a high hit on Brandon Carlo. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on this. Was it enough for a guy like Wilson, who has obviously gotten himself in trouble multiple times before, he plays on the edge, He's he's always making these kind of plays, getting him himself, himself in trouble. And this one to me was pretty egregious. And I just want to get your opinions here on it. Coach, let's start with you. What do you think of Tom Wilson? Did he deserve more or less or exactly seven games? Uh, I think he deserved less. I mean, uh, everybody's so quick to jump at the fact that he's a, uh, you know, the repeat offender. However, that is not the case. He's not a repeat offender because it's been over 18 months since the last time he was actually suspended. So you actually lose that status of uh, being that, uh, you know, the repeat offender. Seven games, I, I think it's a little steep. I think you're, you're at the, you know, at the halfway point of your year, I think you're entering that stretch where every game is, you know, every game is crucial, could change the outcome of the season. And, and you know, as much as he's a bit of a goon, if you want to call him that, what he brings into that lineup, you know, you you can't find another another guy like that. He's one of a kind in that team right now, and and he might be a one of a kind in in the entire league. We see that role of the goon has faded away. The enforcers, there aren't many left. You know, 
call him what you want, enforcers, tough guys. But he's he's one of those guys. Him, Ryan Reeves are like the last of the the last of a dying breed. Still have skill, but still throw the body around, and are not afraid to make those hits. And you know, I gotta give him props. He knew as soon as he did, you know, as he laid that hit down, that that he was gonna have to he was gonna have to answer the bell. He fought a couple guys, so gotta give credit where it's due. Uh, seven games is a little much, especially uh, especially when you consider the fact that he's actually not a uh, not a repeat offender. So uh, I don't like the decision. Um, and and ironically enough, the head of NHL player safety is actually one of the biggest goons of all time, George Peros. So you think he'd have some sort of sympathy for the guy, but uh, what the fuck do I know? Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you, Coach. Uh, seven games, I think, is definitely way too much in this case. To me, it seemed almost like a a bang bang play. You know, he's coming in hot in the corner quick play the player was kind of in an awkward position i don't think there was any intent on the play which i think that's why seven games is a little much i think it was more of a an incident act kind of just the way his his body ended up being when he went to to hit him so i think like you mentioned seven games seems a little high maybe i would have gone two three games at at most and uh since he's not a repeat offender, according to the the NHL rules, I think seven games is egregious uh, for this kind of hit, bang bang play. Uh, I think I think this was way too much. And 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 unless I'm blind, when Brandon Carlo went to play the puck, I think his head was down. But to me, you that know? doesn't make a difference. Ru- oh, but because- yeah, okay, okay, okay. But hold on. Rule number one: tie your skates on tight. Rule number two: put your helmet on your head. Rule number three: keep your fucking head up. Because you get wrung like that. Now you got to go to the hospital. Now you can't play. Now your career might be over. Now what? Now what? Because you kept your fucking head down? Come on. This is what I think about this. And I get pretty passionate, especially when it comes to Tom Wilson for one reason. Tom Wilson can actually play. If this guy shows up, minds his own business, plays the game like it's supposed to play, be played, he doesn't get in trouble. In this case here, it's, it's a question of just respecting your opponent and respecting the other nine guys that are on the ice with you. Brandon Carlos standing against the wall. He's standing against the, against the boards. Sure, he's got his head down, but he's not moving. He's not crossing through the middle of the ice where, okay, you've got your head down, you're going to get your bell rung. He's standing there. If Tom Wilson, all he's got to do is get in there, rub him out, and play the puck. He doesn't need to, to jump at the guy. He doesn't need to smoke him and, and, and hit him into next week. He's standing still. He's not moving. He's not a threat to score. He's battling in the corner for a puck, and there's other guys there. All he has to do is, is go in there, make a hockey play, dig the puck out, win a battle, and move on. There's no reason to do that. And, and, and sure, there's a, a physical aspect to the game, but this is just having no respect for your opponent and just going around trying to hurt people. And it just doesn't make sense to me. And and the whole repeat offender thing to me is just a technicality. Doesn't just because he hasn't done it in eighteen months doesn't mean he's never done it before. And we know he's done it before. And so that a hundred percent should be factored in when we're suspending a guy because it's not your first time. And the whole point of being suspended is so you don't do it again. And so if you do it today and then you don't do it for eighteen months, but then you do it again in twenty months, you didn't learn your lesson. You're still going out there to hurt people. You're still going out there not thinking about the consequences of your actions. 
And for me, I think set seven games is, is a good part, is a good piece. If this is the beginning of the season, like you said, coach, I say, okay, maybe, easy, you know, go a little bit higher because the games don't matter as much. Of course, they all matter. Uh, but as we go into the end of the season here, mid-season, end of the season, seven games, every game counts. And so I feel that this is appropriate. But I, I personally have to disagree with the both of you. I just don't see the need for this. A question for you guys. Uh, now, since this is a shortened season because of COVID, do you think that should come into play when it comes to suspensions? Because obviously seven games, seven games has a way bigger impact on a shortened season than it would on a in an 82-game schedule. So that's why another reason why I think seven games is too much, because that's a huge chunk of the season. For like we mentioned, a guy who actually brings skill and is valuable to his team, I think seven games is... A, that's the exact reason why I think it's way too much, is you're taking away a huge chunk of the season for this guy who has a huge value to his team. Yeah, no, I... I... Totally agree, and, and, and you make a great point. We're not playing 82 games. We're playing 56 games. That's that's approximately two-thirds of the season. So if you were to suspend the guy for s- seven games based on an 82-game schedule, fine. But you're suspending a guy for seven games based on a 56-game schedule, that's one-eighth of the season. Math. Okay, when, you do the, when you do the math. Yeah, that's Coach one, coming in hot with the math this episode. One-eighth of the season, guys. That's... A lot. Does he deserve to be suspended? Listen, I say no. George says yes. Apparently, the NHL says yes. But you gotta prorate that shit. I would have said, you know, if 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 I had to pick a number, go four games. Go four games. You're more than halfway through the year. Give him four games. He'll have a week where he can't do anything, and then he'll come back, whether he's learned a lesson or not. That's up to him. Will he do it again? Probably not, especially not in the shortened season. But I mean, I, I don't know. But that's a good point uh, that you bring up there, Seti. George, let me hear. Uh, let me hear what bullshit you have to say. <laughs> I think it's a great point that it's a shortened season. Every game counts a little bit more. But you know what? The guy that he hurts on the other end. He's also missing more games because of the same action. So if a guy's getting, if a guy's normally going to miss two weeks with the injury you've provided him or you've sustained to him, in a regular season, two weeks, maybe you're looking at five, five games, maybe six tops. In this season now, you're playing basically four games a week. That could be eight games on the, the same time span. So injuries aren't counted in games played. It's really counted in calendar time. And the effect you're having on the person you're hurting on the other end is the same, if not more amplified. That guy's missing more games because of what you've done. It's the same action, but he's missing more games because of the condensed schedule. Strap your helmet on tight, like Coach said. Pull up your pants and let's talk about Connor Murphy. Never thought I'd be talking about Connor Murphy on this podcast. Connor, Connor Murphy, Mr. Jump to Conclusions, literally. Literally. So Connor Murphy avoided, unlike Tom Wilson, he avoided a suspension for his hit on Eric Cernak of the Tampa Bay Lightning last week. Uh, I'm sure you guys had a chance to see it. For those listening, if you haven't seen it, uh, we're actually going to retweet both the Tom Wilson hit and the Connor Murphy hit on our Instagram, on our Twitter, excuse me, at GymClassZeroSPod with a zero. Uh, So make sure you go check that out and then weigh in there. What do you think? One, Tom Wilson, is that an appropriate suspension? Uh, And then two, did Connor Murphy deserve a suspension for his hit on Eric Cernak. 
so last time we started with you, Coach. Let's start with you, Seti. So to me, if you're giving Tom Wilson seven games for that hit, Connor Murphy should get at least 40. That hit was way dirtier than Tom Wilson's. You had a guy coming around the net with his head down. There was no real traffic, and he beelined straight for his head. That, I think the only reason why he didn't get suspended is because his name is not Tom Wilson. I think that he should have gotten at least a seven-game suspension, if not more. In this case, it was not a bang-bang play. It was not a hockey play. You have a guy with his head down turning the corner around the net, and you just beeline for his head. I think, if anything, there's no place in the game for that type of hit, whereas Tom Wilson was more of a quick quick reactionary play. Uh, yeah, I think this... the. The league totally messed up on this on this call, giving seven games to to a guy who was just going in to make a hit, and then you got no no suspension at all for a guy who was targeting specifically head. At least, uh, to, in my eyes, it was pretty obvious that he had no intention of playing the body there. So, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is a a huge mistake by the league, and it just plays off of being a very very poor decision from uh, George Peros, like Coach mentioned. I think you got to take Connor Murphy and don't put him in jail. Put him under the jail. That was vicious. That was malicious. He left his feet and jumped as if he was doing a high jump in the Olympics. And instead of landing on a mat, he landed on Eric Chernak's head. That was brutal. Now, again, head down. Learn a lesson, thanks. But nonetheless, he jumped. And he said, I'm going to go straight for the head. You know, I think he should miss the rest of the season. I think that's unacceptable. You give a guy like Wilson seven, you're letting this guy walk with nothing, not even a slap on the wrist. What a joke. What a joke. Come on, George Peros, get it together. I guess that's what happens when, unlike Tom Wilson, you're not actually a repeat offender. But I agree. I I, I think... I don't understand how he gets away with this one. He basically looked like a 14-year-old playing Call of Duty and on a Tuesday afternoon. He was just headshots only. That's basically all he's doing out there. Guys just trying to hurt people. Same thing. It's not a hockey play. It's, it's not separating the men from the puck. It's going out to hurt someone. And this reminds me a lot of the hit um, Steve Downey placed on Dean McCammon, the Ottawa Senators, a, a while back. Where the guy's coming around the corner, around the net, excuse me, he's vulnerable, and you basically use the net and the goalie to shield yourself from being seen and basically just laying out a guy who's defenseless, defenseless turning the corner with a defender on his back. And to me, that's just unacceptable. That's exactly the kind of hit you want to eliminate. At that high speed, all you're doing is you're going to seriously hurt someone. And there's no there's no hockey there's no argument to make that that's a hockey play. There never will be. There's no place in hockey for that kind of play. And shame on the Department of of Player Safety for for letting him basically walk away with nothing on that. That's just a just disgusting. And quickly, if we're we're mentioning that you know Tom Wilson's history may have played a part in his suspension, how ha, how does this hit not play any? any factor in any future decision the league makes. This is like he he has a blank record yeah. when this hit is absolutely terrible. So next time he maybe might go and get suspended, this hit will have nothing to do with with his, his sentence, for lack of a better term. 
you know, this should definitely, if not suspension, should at least be on his record. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I don't see how this doesn't get put towards uh, his repeat offender status. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think Connor Murphy's lucky that the Dim Glass Zeros aren't the one handing out suspensions in the NHL because he'd be he'd be away for a long time. Let's run over. It's soccer time. I mean, we're in the middle of some exciting soccer. We've got the Champions League uh, round of 16 wrapping up in the next week and a half. We've got uh, the Premier League and a lot of the major soccer leagues across Europe that are coming to a close very soon. Uh, it's coming down to the wire in a lot of those competitions. And so we've got a lot to tackle when it comes to soccer. But I think the biggest news didn't you, of the week, I guess, or weekend, didn't even come on the pitch. It came on the, the voters' box and on stages and speeches. So Barcelona FC has elected Juan Laporta as their new president. Uh, very big news. He won by a, a landslide, really. Uh, he's a former president of uh, Barcelona FC who's coming back for a second term. Uh, and so he's been in the position before. Uh, but that experience, I think, is going to pay off because we talked about Barca Gate last week. Uh, we know what's happening with Messi and, and how he's ready to, to leave for a free transfer in the summer. And so how big of a job do you think Laporta really has there? He's really inheriting a mess at Camp Nou. Uh, so coach, on a scale of like 1 to 10, how big of a job does Laporta have to clean up that whole organization right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say probably an 8. Um, I think your 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 main concern is you want to keep the best player ever with your club. As you mentioned, in June, he's free to walk anywhere. Where does he go? PSG, Man City, Inter Milan, or does he stay in Barcelona? I think with the change in office, I think he, he may be more inclined to stay, to maybe hear what the club has to say. And, and, and you know, you keep in mind, guys, if you're a player that's not interested in the club anymore, but you still make the effort and take the time to go out and actually vote, that says something. You know, it, it, if, if, if you didn't care, if you knew in June and, and, and it was made clear that in June, you know what, I'm out of here, why waste your time and go vote? I think that's a sign of, you know, a sign of optimism on his part. Um, I think... I think they'll take the right steps. I mean, you also have to keep in mind that they're over a billion dollars in debt. And obviously the pandemic is not helping with that. So I think, you know, he's got a lot of work on his plate, but he's, he's done it in the past. He was, he, he was a president for, from 2003 to 2010, if I'm not mistaken, which were some very good years for Barcelona. And, and and I think he comes back and, you know, he does it again. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I say 8, but, you know, I think he'll do just fine. What do you think, Seth? Uh I would say on a scale from 1 to 10, I would rank this a shit show. Uh, I think he's com- he's inheriting a complete, complete debacle. Uh, I, you know, I I hope he can pull it off. You know, I, I wish him the best, but... I think that what the situation that he he's inheriting is probably one of the worst you can inherit uh, coming in as a as a new president. I think this has no impact on Messi's decision. I think he's already checked out. I think he's already gone. He's packing his bags. Uh, unfortunately, 
you know, like you mentioned, one of the greatest players of all time to have to go through this. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't wish this on your on your worst enemy. But yeah, I think this is hopefully he can pull it off. Hopefully they can turn things around. But man, oh man, this is one of the worst situations in any sport I've ever seen uh, in terms of head office and organizational standpoint. Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys basically just summed up my, my two questions on this in one. One being how big of a job does he have? And then two, uh, does this make Messi want to stay? Um, so I think coach, you brought up a great point about Messi taking the time to go out and vote in the election. And that says a lot about then the player and, and, and how devoted he is to that team. I think in the same breath, he, he still loves his team. And I think it, it's, it's nothing he's ever spoken against. He's, he's made it clear that he has nothing against FC Barcelona. This is always going to be a huge part of his heart. He's played his whole career so far there. And so that's not, you know, I think he still wants them to do well. Um, I think whether is, is he ready for another another venture, something different? Uh, I think he still is. Um, and I think he just, he he's not dumb. I think right now, as far as the window for him to play his best soccer is slowly or is quickly closing. And I think uh, Barcelona right now has got a lot of off-field distractions. It's going to take a little bit of a while, right? This is not going to dissipate in the next three, four days or three, four weeks. This is going to take a while for Laporta to put his, his stamp on this and to start veering the ship back the right into the right direction. Uh, and I just don't know if Messi has the time to sit around and, and, and wait and, and work through this. So I also, I'm going to side with Seti here and think he's, he's on his way out this summer. Also with, with the debt that uh, Barcelona's in right now, I don't know if they can afford another huge contract like that. But... Uh, let's 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 jump to my sky blues here. Manchester City's run of 21 straight wins has sadly come to an end with Sunday's 2-0 loss to Manchester United. If they were going to lose to anybody, the last team I want them losing to is United. So that was uh, you didn't want to see me on Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon. I wasn't a happy camper. Uh, before that, City hadn't lost since November 21st, um, and now they're sitting 11 points up on the aforementioned Man United with 10 games left in the Premier League table or the Premier League uh, season. Uh, do you think that City's still a lock to win the Premier League? I think, uh, you know, in, especially in soccer, uh, a win comes along with three points. So 11 points up with 10 games left is not that big of a spread if you think of uh, it only being three three wins and a tie or three wins and two ties or however you want to split that up. So I think there's definitely a slim margin for error for Man City. You know, I guess it, it'll really, how they bounce back from this loss will have a huge uh, impact on whether or not they can keep that that differential up. Uh, you know, just for you, George, hopefully they, they'll able to stay up in the standings. Um, I have nothing against Man City. They're a great team. They, I love the style of football they play, so... Hopefully they can keep it up, but uh, I think 11 points might seem like a lot, but in a sport like soccer where uh, it's three points for a win, not that big of a of a difference between first and second. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to come down to the wire. I think I don't think, like you said, no no lead is really safe when you, when you see that. Uh, they're going to need to... The good thing is that they've got their destiny in their hands, right? You just win out. You pick up as many points as you can. And nobody's catching you at this point. Looking at their remaining matches, they've got Southampton, Fulham. Those are two matches that they should win. 
then they've got Leicester, who's right on their heels as well there in the top four. Uh, Leeds, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton, and Everton again. And so there's there's a few ma- games in there that they should be winning. Uh, and so we'll see how that all plays out. I think it's going to be exciting. I, I don't think anybody wants to see a landslide. And so it's going to be exciting to see how it all plays out. And hopefully, um, for everyone else's sake, not mine, uh, it, it gets interesting or, or it stays interesting down the stretch. Um, now let's move a little bit to some Champions League. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the round of 16 and what's happened so far as of the time that we're recording today. Uh, so Dortmund has passed Sevilla, Sevilla, sorry, five uh, four in aggregates, and they're moving on to the next uh, uh, to the round of eight. And then we had a crazy finish between Juventus and FC Porto uh, just today on March 9th as we're recording. Uh, so if you missed it, Porto advances on an away goals after losing the match today, the second leg of the two leg uh, of the round of sixteen match up uh, by a score of three to two. So they tied the aggregate four four but still ended up advancing even though they lost the second match because they had more away goals. So I want to I want to throw this question out to the both of you. Given this kind of weird finish, what do you guys think of this aggregate tiebreaker being away goals? Do you think it's I know it's traditional, but is this is there really a, a case to be made here that this is is warranted or should this game have should this matchup really have finished in a penalty? No, I uh I like it the way it is. I mean, I've been watching soccer since I was a kid, and that's always been the rule that I've known. And, you know, it it, it, it has helped the teams that I cheer for, but it's also screwed me over pretty hard. Um, so, you know, you take some, you win some, you lose some. That's the rule. I, I, I couldn't really think of another way. Like, like you don't want to go to sh- shootouts especially not in a round of 16, you know, once you get to maybe, you know, the round of eight or the semifinals, again, it, there's really no good way to, there's really no good way to decide a winner when the score is tied. So I think you just stick to what you know and, you know, away goals are harder. You know, you have to factor in that when you're playing away and there's fans, you know, there's 80,000 people screaming. And especially if they're not your fans, it's it's there's there's eleven guys on the pitch, and then there's eighty thousand fans screaming at you guys, profanities, uh, sh- shouting your goalie's name if he you know if he lets in a stupid goal or or anything. So I think scoring an away goal is like scoring not one goal at home but two. So I I would just just leave it as is. What do you think, Seti? Yeah, I, th- I I kind of I'm leaning towards uh, what you're what you're putting down here. Uh, I think maybe for the more traditional North American sports fans, for one, it's rare that you see a tie in in any game, especially when you think soccer, uh, not soccer, soccer, sorry, but, but hockey, basketball, baseball. You never see a, t- a tie in any game, so that's kind of a foreign concept. But also just uh, the fact the aggregate concept is a little foreign, but as a longtime soccer fan, I'm kind of used to seeing this. Uh, as Coach mentioned, you, you're oftentimes uh, on either side of it. So you'll, like he said, you'll win some, you'll lose some. Uh, that's just the way it is. I think no matter how it ends up being decided, you're never going to be happy with the outcome if you're on the losing sides, whether it it is through aggregate, whether it is through penalty shootout. I think 
when you're on the losing side, that's never a good situation. But uh, I think maybe for this year, the fact that there's not as many fans in the crowd, it might not be as warranted to go that route. But I think overall, um, I think this system's fine. Maybe it could be uh, improved, but I think, like I mentioned, no matter no matter how it gets decided, if you're on the losing side, it's going to hurt. And uh, it is kind of, at the end of the day, kind of weird that uh, you lose a match, but you still end up going through. So I, th- I understand all sides of it, but, you know, I'm happy with the way it is overall. See, I, I threw that question out, uh, but... I was actually, I think it's fine as is. Uh, I think it, the traditionalist in me is, is totally good with keeping it and not changing things. If, if it's not broken, you know, it's not fixed. It's not, <laughs> if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, as you can tell, I'm tired. Um, and so, but I think the argument that could be made here from Juventus is really there's no fans in the stands, right? We're playing under these COVID rules where it's basically a neutral field. And we've seen many of these Champions League games actually be played on neutral fields because of the lockdowns in Germany and not having to travel in and out. Where we have, We've seen some of these matches actually be played in like Istanbul and different places uh, where it's really no, one, no one's the home team. Uh, and so just the fact that you were supposed to be the home team puts you as a disadvantage if you give up a goal. Uh, even though you're technically just as much of an away team as the others. Um, and given the no fans cheering, it's basically a neutral site. And so there's no real advantage or disadvantage to being on the home side or the away side, other than you're home, you're sleeping in your own bed tonight, you're away, you're probably sleeping on a plane. And that's really the real difference. Now, that being said, I don't expect the Champions League or UEFA to change the rules this year because of it. Uh, but it is kind of an interesting, kind of weird thing to think of that you won the match today but still aren't moving on because you gave up an extra goal two weeks ago or three weeks ago when you were home so it's kind of an interesting tidbit um in a way i kind of like the mayhem and and the chaos uh and you know what you give up some away goals you just need to pull up your sleeves or pull up your pants and put your head up and and score a bit more this time so Kind of a weird situation, but we're excited to see what happens the rest of the way for these um, second legs of the Champions League round of 16 and seeing who else is going to be moving on. And that brings us to our final segment. It's going to be our our little debate set time for the for the three of us here. I want to get uh, I want you to make a case for what wins championships. Is it offense or defense? And so we're going to think of this in a baseball perspective. I know this question can be asked for all sports, really, but let's look at it from a baseball perspective. And so would you rather, like, do you think allowing two or less runs a game is more of an advantage or going to be more, going to help you win a championship more than scoring maybe five or six runs a game? What wins championships? What's going to get you that World Series at the end of the year? Is it offense or defense? Coach, go. Uh, offense. Uh, listen, in the game of baseball, the the only way to bring in runs and, and to bring in points is by hitting the ball. You can pitch really well. You can allow under two runs a game, three runs a game, but if you're not scoring one more, one more than the other team, what are you pitching for? It's not like in the NFL where the defense can intercept the ball and, you know, score it back for points. And baseball is, is you pitch... You get your three outs, you play in the field when the ball goes into the field, 
and that's it. Yes, you're stopping points, but you're not producing. And 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 I think at the end of the day, when it comes to sports, it's who's the team that has the most points at the end of the game. Well, whoever has more points wins, right? So I think while you know, in regards to the MLB, I think I think offense offense is more important. So, you know, RBIs count, hits count, whereas you could throw 100 pitches a game, have, have a hell of a game, and still lose. I think, I think the offense is definitely more important in the MLB. I know George, uh, George is thinking about it. I could tell by the look on his face. So uh, let's go to Seti and see what he's got to say. Well, I think uh, from your explanation, we can already tell that it's obvious that, that this explanation is coming from a Yankees fan. A team that's always known for having big sluggers on their team and little to no pitching. So I'm not surprised to hear that point come across coming across from you. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. Watch I'm going to say that uh, defense. <laughs> I'm going to say defense has a bigger impact, especially in the playoffs. Uh, if we're talking championships, I think if you're able to keep the ball uh, in the infield or even uh, shallow outfield, if your your pitching's uh, you got a deep roster on the pitching side. I think that has a, a bigger impact over a five or seven game series. I think maybe in a single game, you got a couple home runs and that helps you out more short term. But if you got a, if we're talking about seven game series here, I think if you got a deep rotation, deep bullpen, I think we're talking you're like more likely to win a championship than if you're you got a couple of guys that can that can hit home runs. So uh, I'm going to completely disagree with you, Coach. Uh, not a surprise Blue Jays fan going up against a, a Yankee fan, but we've got di- we've got maybe a little different philosophy when it comes to that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll throw it back to George. See what he's thinking here. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you, Seti. I, I think defense is what wins championships. Um, as a Blue Jays fan, I think this year their their strength is gonna be an offense, uh, coincidentally, and so um, just looking at at past. World Series championships and 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 the teams that do the best, I think offense is a hundred percent a factor, and you have to have the the offense, and you have to be able to score in runs. But I think as far as defense goes, if you give up a point, a run, or two runs a night, you're in a good situation to probably win the game. And when we look at baseball, especially, and your best hitters are what three hundred hitters, so that means. They're only making contact or getting a hit three out of ten times. And so when you play the averages, if the the best offensive players are only gonna make, you know, only gonna score or only gonna get on base 30% of the time, then that automatically leans towards defense being more prevalent. And and even the best offensive teams are not gonna they're not gonna hit collectively six hundred or seven hundred the best offensive teams are still only going to bit bat at best 300 350 let's say and so that means defense is winning 7 out of 10 times uh, and so we look at you know especially come playoff time and and, and the, the 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 way that managers decide to manage their bullpens and to manage their starting rotation um it's a big it's a big reason why we think you know we look at the Dodgers this year and say, wow, that's a really good team. They've got the bats, but they've also got some stud pitching. And I think that's ultimately in the long run. If you can keep the other team off the score sheet, 
you're in you're in a good position because then all you need really is one point one run and and you've got yourself a win and so to me when you play the averages in baseball to me defense is going to win seven out of ten times and and to me that's the majority that's 70 percent. i'm taking those odds but speaking of odds uh let's jump into our bet of the week which is actually our final segment uh and we're going to jump back to some soccer now so we just talk about we just talked about our two um, matches or our, our match ups that are now done. We've got Dortmund passing Sevilla and moving on to the next round, and we've got FC Porto that's moving on after defeating defeating Juventus. And so let's look at who's remaining, um, and then I want to get your opinion on who's winning it all, the whole thing. So reminder: Man City they're up two nil on aggregates. Bayern's up four one on aggregates against Lazio. Chelsea's up 1-0 against Atletico Madrid. Then you've got PSG, who's up 4-1 on Barcelona. And then uh, Liverpool, 2-0 over RB Leipzig. And then uh, Real Madrid up 1-0 against Atalanta. And so those are really who's left. Um, So looking at where everything plays out right now, if you were to pick one team to win the whole thing, uh, who's your pick, Seti? Uh, for me, I think it's got to be Bayern. I think they've been dominant so far throughout all their matches, all their their uh, the, throughout the group play, throughout the 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 two game series. I think they've been the most dominant team uh, throughout so far. So I I think I, I like Bayern in this case, and you know they've won it multiple times, uh, especially in the last couple of years. So I think they're a safe bet to pick. As much. As I hate to say it, George, and you're going to love hearing these words come out of my mouth. And ironically enough, this is recorded so you can go back and listen to it when you're feeling down on yourself. I'm going to say Man City. Let's not talk about EPL. They're by far the best club in Europe. I think this is their tournament to lose. I mean, their team, you know, as a fan of soccer in general, you love to see them do well. But as a fan of another team in the EPL, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of Chelsea FC. I, I would hate to see another English team win, but it, if you told me right now to put 100 bucks on a team, I got to go, gotta go Man City. So, George, what do you think to wrap this up? I'm, I'm trying hard not to say Man City because that's my team. I like Bayern's chances. I think that's, that's one of the best teams right now. Uh, I think that would be a really great final, a Bayern Man City. But ultimately, I gotta go with my team. I gotta go City. Um, you look at that squad right now. Uh, they've done a lot. Like that whole twenty-one game stretch was done basically without Sergio Aguero. He hasn't been very fit all season, and so uh, to do that with probably your best striker of all time uh, is impressive. I, I think they're really well-rounded. I think we've seen what Yao Cancelo can do. He kind of plays all over the pitch. Um, we saw him struggle against Man United last weekend and, and ultimately that ended up costing them and they can threaten you from all over the place. Um, Kevin De Bruyne at the midfield is just world-class, one of the best in the world right now. In net, Ederson is a, is a brick wall, um, and he can be trusted at any time and in the toughest of situations. And so ultimately, I think when you look at well-rounded clubs, um, I'm very proud to say that Man City right now is looking real good. If they can stay healthy, uh, fingers crossed, and and keep playing the way that they can play, 
that they've shown, uh, I think their chances are real good, and I'd, I'd be willing to put some money on that. And uh, we all know Pep Guardiola is a legend, and uh, he's uh, he's going to steer this club back. I actually think it's a good thing that they lost a the streak. I think it's going to it was it was deemed to happen eventually. You weren't going to win out for the rest of the season. Uh, and so it's better that you lose in a, in a in a Premier League league match rather than say in the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup or in the Champions League, and and so if you're going to lose, that was a good time to lose and and, and humble everybody in that squad. And I think that's going to help them prosper and move on to uh, hopefully a Champions League match win this year. Before we wrap up, I, I want to do similar to what we did last week, a round table. Get your your final thoughts. We're leaving everyone for the next week, and so Seti. What do you want to leave everyone with? You know, Coach gave the shout-out last week and at the end of the episode. Uh, I'll give one at the end of this episode. Uh, rest in peace to Walter Gretzky. Fathered three, well, I mean, obviously one NHL legend, but also three three great sons. And, uh, yeah, I hate to see him go, but hopefully the so hopefully the, the Gretzky family is doing okay and uh, respects the, paying my respects to them. Uh, as as far as the podcast goes, as always, it was a great pleasure. Can't wait for this uh, this time next week, and uh, can't wait for another great debate. Yeah, guys, just to add to what Seti uh, said about Walter Gretzky. You know, Walter Gretzky was known as everybody's dad, Canada's dad, hockey's dad, and to hear stories that have been made known in the public he, he he took the time to take pictures to sign autographs he would invite a bunch of people into his house to see the basement with all the awards and all the uh, achievements that were you know that were accomplished by wayne and always gave his time and would never say no to a picture it's just it's sad to see him go you feel like you knew the guy so it hurts you know as a as a fan of the game and as as a guy that just loves to see these people do nice things, it, it, it hurts. Otherwise, to end on a happy note, thank you for listening and uh, look forward to next week, guys. Awesome. Thank you to my uh, partners in crime here. Uh, I don't want to make this a, a sad episode or finish on a sad note, but I think we'd be remiss to, to also miss out and, and forget Chris Schultz, who uh, has for a long time been a mainstay on that CFL on TSN panel, former NFL player and a former uh, CFL player. Uh, I've been watching Schultze on that panel for a very long time, and he died suddenly of a of a heart attack last week as well. So, um, just wanted to kind of to mention that a quick shout out to to Chris Schultz. May he rest in peace as well. Um, that's it for me. I mean, uh, exciting week ahead when uh, we're going to really get a, a good view of what's going to come down Champions League wise. I think we're going to get a clearer view of what's happening in the NHL. Um, and where the playoff race kind of is going to, I think, begin here, that, that final stretch of this condensed season. Um, and then finally, when you look at the NFL, I think we may see some some important movement, or we're hoping to see some important movement uh, from guys like uh, what we said at the top there, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, see where those guys end up and, and see if they do get moved. And in, in not necessarily if they get moved, but where and when. Uh, and so we're looking forward to tracking that. Uh, so this is another episode of the Gym Class Zeros podcast. Just want to remind everybody you can follow us on Twitter at Gym Class Zeros Pod with a zero, and at Gym Class Zeros Pod on Instagram. We hope you follow us there. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave a review that helps us out. And uh, 
thanks again for tuning in and we can't wait to, to hear for you to hear us next week so have a great night everyone i'm fired up i am fired up that hit was way dirtier i think you gotta take connor murphy and don't put him in jail put him under the jail <laughs>